I'm Rock Lee of Hidden Leaf Village. This fight is gonna be tough. I'm sorry, Guy Sensei. I'll have to unlock the secret ninth gate. The gate of monsters, madness, and magic. Monsters, madness, and magic. Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, joined by my co-host, Chessler the Chess Mathis. And today, we have a very special guest with us. Director, writer, voice, and screen actor, Mr. Brian Donovan. Brian. Ah, the best known as Rockley. And Rockley. Don't leave that out. What's happening, boys? Nice to see everybody. Oh, yeah. It's a pleasure nice having you, man. Uh, so we usually start, I ask the guests, uh, if they have a eureka moment early in life, how they knew they wanted to take the plunge into acting. But if you don't mind, I think a better place to start with you would be your story with your sister, Kelly, and your documentary. If you don't, you could just tell us about that and we'll go from there. Yeah, beautiful, man. I uh, appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I appreciate that start. Um, you, curia- you curated it just for me, which is very sweet. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, to your fans and listeners, um, you know, a little backstory. So I do the voice of Rock Lee and Davis from Digimon and, um, you know, a couple of anime properties. And uh, and those are awesome. And we'll talk plenty about those, too. But um, what Justin's referencing is I made a documentary a few years ago about my little sister who had Down syndrome. I uh, was born with Down syndrome. Um, and uh, I'll show you a little picture, a little visual reference. This is my little sister, Kelly. She was my soulmate, uh, and I used to bring her out to visit me. We, I grew up in Buffalo, New York, bring her out to uh, stay with me for two months in Hollywood. And I started shooting her just for fun as a big brother, and she's super, she was super entertaining and super funny. Um, and so I just got a kick out of her, and I shot her, and I ended up accumulating all this footage, you know, 100-plus hours of footage. Um, you know, this is before we had, you know, iPhones and, you know, cameras and everything and documented everything, TikTok style. Um, but so, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, um, I just shot her and shot her and I accumulated all this footage. Long story short, I ended up making a, a movie about her, a feature length documentary that was on Showtime and, um, and now it's on Amazon and Amazon prime, but, uh, but it did really, really well. Um, and, uh, very fortunately, not just in the disability world, um, it kind of transcended that. Um, and you know, it's, it's a love story between me and my sister and, um, you know, it follows the trajectory of us realizing um, our dreams together, which hers was to perform live in Hollywood on a stage. Um, and so we did that. It was amazing. Towards the end of the, the film, spoiler alert, um, you know, she rocks the red carpet and busts out of a limousine and paparazzi and fans scream her name. And we ended up doing this hour and 15 minute live show um, with some really dear friends of mine, some famous, not so some not so much, but um but it was, it was awesome. It was a dream come true. I always wanted to see her that way because um, she was a true Hollywood diva. She would have been the diva that was like, you know, I only said green M&Ms, you know. <laughs> like, um, you know, but uh, yeah, through and through. And then the B story was how it affected my relationships with other women. My sister was number one and, and uh, you know, all the women in my life were relegated to number two. And of course, they didn't love that too much. And, and so I had to work through that and with my now wife, too. And um, yeah, so but it's a, you know, it's a love story. It's also a story, I think, most importantly, and really what I tie into, you know, anime and Rock Lee. And, um, you know, I, my sister really personified uh, believing in herself, you know, um, even though the world uh, at large, you know, relegated her to, you know, her labels and stereotypes. And, you know, she's disabled or they'd see her from afar and they cast her, you know, in, in, a, in a light um, that was less favorable than, you know, really who she was uh, and all the complexities of who she was and the beauty of who she was. 
and I just wanted to, I just wanted to share that when I wanted to um, make sure that people knew that we're all here for a reason. Um, we all have gifts. Um, we all have shortcomings, but we all have gifts that we can work hard um, at, which again, brings me back to Rock Lee, um, personifies, you know, perseverance and persistence and hard work and, and ultimately a belief in himself. And also further, a cheerleader, you know, like with, with Guy Sensei, um, you know, I really believe in, in finding your cheerleaders, you know, and finding people that lift you up and, and um, you know, and believe in you the way that you believe in yourself. Um, and so, yeah, it all kind of ties in. And so it's been really awesome because I've been able to find a synergy between, you know, not only my sister and the documentary, um, which is called Kelly's Hollywood, in case anybody's interested. And it's, again, it's on Amazon and Amazon Prime. If you go to Amazon, you can just find it very easily. Um, it's really well rated, which is awesome. You won't waste your 82 minutes, make some popcorn. Um, and really, if you believe in dreams or if you need like that, that kind of goose in life where you're like, you know, you're a little downtrodden, you know, based on, you know, the world at large that we live in right now because it's a very challenging time um and you know it's a, it's a dark time right you know a lot of our dreams have been kind of pushed right. aside for a little bit or put on hold um and the film you know really is is a nice celebration of, of that and it, it's a nice pick me up it's super easy to recommend because it's um it's just a really feel good ultimately a feel good film you know and a celebration of a life and, and dreams um, and as I said, believing in yourself and uh, that everybody's here for a reason, you know, uh, no matter who you are, you know, that's my big sermon. <laughs> uh, but thanks for uh, that launch. I appreciate it. Hey, I think we can all use a feel good story right about now. Yeah. Well, I, you know, it's funny. I always said if I would ever make a movie, because my favorite movies were the ones that make you laugh and cry and, the, and mm -hmm. you know, and almost instantaneously, you know, you'd be like, <laughs> <they'd> be like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like, where am I, where? And, you know, I always wanted to make a movie like that. And, you know, and very fortunately I did, you know, I mean, you know, I'm not going to lie. You're going to laugh your ass off, but, you know, you'll also probably shed a tear well up. Any and, um, you know, a lot of people curse my name because, you know, I didn't warn them that they needed a box of Kleenex. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it, you'll go on a ride, man. It's an emotional ride. It's not, you know, it's not a, you know, it's not just a feel good movie, you know, right. you go on a, a very, uh, you know, a very roller coastery ride of emotion, but uh, oh, really? but ultimately it is a, a celebration of a kind of reminds I think people, you know, what the hell we're doing here and and who and why we love, you know, ultimately, which is uh, you know, which is what I try to talk about as much as I can, given the opportunities like this, you know. So thank you for the the forum to speak to it. So when you initially started shooting, was it just for fun, or did you know already that you were going to do this? Yeah, no, no. Originally, it was just for fun. I had a consumer camera. It wasn't anything fancy. I mean, it was just like, you know, what people had in the late 90s, you know, the big clunking, you know, consumer camera. And, um, you know, and I just shot her because, as I said, I just got such a hoot out of her. And she, she was just good, good fun. And, um, and, you know, there were some obstacles and complexities, too, of course, like with every relationship and every human being, you know. I mean, we're all layered with a lot going on in our lives. My sister was no exception. So I just captured as much as that I could. And then in the early 2000, about 2003, I started realizing that I'd never seen a movie like that. I'd never seen a sibling love story. I'd never seen, um, you know, the humanization of someone with a disability in the way that I wanted to present it. Uh, so I started getting a little more serious about how oh, maybe, maybe I can make a movie about it. Maybe I can make a documentary. And so then I started shooting at her and, and I guess our lives a little more intention of like, okay, well, if that, if I were to tell that story, what would it look like? And, you know, um, you know, and obviously needed a, a through line, a, you know, an actual story as opposed to like, just a, you know, glorified home movie, you know? Um, so I did start shooting it with a little more intention. And then when we did the live show in 2006, 
um, which I would imagine for some of your fans and listeners, they, they were just barely born. But um, but in 2006, we ended up doing the live show and, and someone recommended that I shoot it with three cameras, um, like a real show. And, and I did. And it was the best advice I could have ever gotten. So at that point, I realized and knew that um, that I like I had, you know, I had a movie, you know, I had the trajectory of us realizing that dream, the kind of the culmination of our lives um, together. And, um, and then I had accumulated enough footage to really of like, you know, the other stuff, you know, the right. girlfriends. Um, and then, in, and then after the live show, I guess in 2007, eight, I did a bunch more interviews, um, you know, talking head stuff. So I could kind of fill in the story. I didn't want the film to be a talking head, you know, interview movie. So, um, they're in there, but you know, it's not the home. They just kind of fill in some of the blanks and some of the stuff that, you know, my mom was going through and my sister was born, you know, um, and some of the stuff that I, I was going through and some of my girlfriends were going, you know, stuff like that. So it sprinkled, but then I did start shooting a little bit more and then I just dug into post took a long time. And my sister very sadly passed away while I was editing. So then I had shelved it for two and a half years and had to rethink the, the whole thing and how to tell that story without, you know, emotionally getting crushed. And, you know, but as these things do, I think the things that really matter to you, they, they tend to kind of keep, you know, like I'm probably this, this for you, you know, your program, you know, it was just kind of that, I got to do it. I got to do right, it. I got to yeah. do it. And then I got to make it happen. And then, you know, all the minutiae to try to make that happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just, it just keep, you keep coming back to that dream, right. Of like, I got to do it. And you know that that's what happened to me with the film. I just it just kept haunting me. I just like I gotta finish the journey. Um, so yeah, then I finished it. It was a slow burn out of the gate. I didn't get a lot of traction on it, and then and then it started picking up momentum. And then I got on Showtime, um, which was huge, uh, and gave it a lot of street cred uh, as a legitimate documentary. And then you know, as I said, now it's on Amazon and Amazon Prime. So Kelly's Hollywood, everyone. <laughs> Eighty-two yep. minutes of popcorn splendor. <laughs> you heard it from Rockley. You know, probably all need to watch it right now. <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Everybody push pause. We'll be back in 82 minutes. We'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess we can uh, we can go in reverse now. When did the adding uh, the acting bug bite you? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm glad we started with my little sister because, frankly, um, you know, my, my acting bug probably started when I was a little kid, you know, and there's part in the documentary where I talk about that and I talk about, you know, there's little footage of Kelly and I performing and dancing and being silly. And, and so we were both, my sister and I both were performers and um you know and i think we you know we all need cheerleaders like i said right we all need people kind of cheering you on and sometimes we don't get it i mean i was very fortunate to have one with my sister very early on in my life so she encouraged me to be ridiculous and perform and silly and then of course i encouraged her to do the same so i mean ultimately we were each other's best cheerleaders and we bolstered each other up and and um and supported each other that way and so she supported my performing and i've supported hers and so i think that gave me um the opportunity to be more un- uninhibited um and just more risky you know because she was i mean she was you know she was she would do whatever you know <laughs> and so i think that really encouraged me too uh, as a performer and it, um a great example of like just you know think outside the box perform outside the box um, and then, you know, you dabble, like I did, you know, plays and musicals in, in high school and then in college some more. And then I became a radio DJ, um, at the university I went to for four years. And that really got me kind of, um, you know, used to a mic, you know, frankly, cause it's a very different medium. Um, and I think people don't realize that unless you get in there and you try it and you're like, Oh my God, I gotta, it's just me and a mic and I gotta pretend that I'm dying or fighting <laughs> or, you know, whatever, you know, guy sensei. <laughs> So, you know, you got to you got to kind of figure that out. And so those DJ years were integral, I think, to 
to me as a performer, certainly for voice and the voice work that I've done with, you know, the, the anime stuff and, and all the other stuff I've done. But um, yeah, and then, you know, I, I had a dream and I delivered a car out to Hollywood in 1990, you know, 30 years ago and, and hoped that I could capitalize on my voice. And that's kind of what happened. Um, mm-hmm. I scored a radio commercial for McDonald's um, and then a bunch of others for um, Shakey's, you know, pizza. That was a chain um, out here. I don't know if it's back where you are, but um you know and so then that just kind of led and then that led down camera commercials and then film and television uh and then i i suppose the last 10 years it actually kind of came full circle because i i would say about 70 percent of my work has been um been voiced for the last 10 years um i was doing a lot of that the uh for about six years i did the promos for disney you know coming up next and we'll be right back after these messages you know and all that <laughs> stuff and so that was super cool and then of course you know naruto the juggernaut naruto is um you know 12 13 years later and uh yeah it's crazy so but yeah it, it happened early on man i mean to full circle to your question you know i was i was young and, and you know i went to business school i actually got a a safety net degree because I was like, oh my God, you know, could I possibly make a living as a performer? Um, you know, it's risky business. So I ended right. up getting a, a more fail safe degree. Um, so, you know, when I wasn't like, I was like, you know, I went to NYU and I, you know, I was just performing, you know, like myopic that way. I, I wasn't at all. In fact, I was, I was always kind of trying to juggle, you know, the, the possibility of like, can I find success as a performer, but, you know, have a fallback uh, in case I didn't. Um, which, you know, frankly, the business degree was probably the best thing I ever did because, um, you know, performance is awesome, but it's a business, you know, Hollywood's business, um, Mm -hmm. and you really ultimately are a product. And so I think having that business background and marketing and otherwise, um, you know, I took it seriously. Um, I took it, you know, I, I treated it as a business, um, you know, because I'm surrounded by people that are that are as talented and, and way more talented than me. And, and some have had a good shake and had had a nice success and some haven't. And I think you can almost always trace it. I mean, some's bad luck, but mostly you can trace it to um, just them not treating it as a business, kind of hoping that, you know, th- they'll be found or, you know, whatever. If they do their hair right that day, they'll, they'll someone's going to notice them, you know, <laughs> like whatever. Um, not to minimize that the other people maybe haven't made and did work really hard because there's always that too, which is, you know, the, the tragic unfairness of, you know, of dreams, you know, I mean, they don't all come true, unfortunately, but, um, but yeah, that was my trajectory, you know, mostly it was just, you know, kind of always doing it. Um, and there's a saying I, you know, that I, that I say all the time, it's like, you know, if you do have a dream and you're not doing something every day towards that dream, um, then you're not doing enough. You know, you, you have to do, um, you know, something, you know, even if it's five minutes every day, you know, maybe not Sundays, but you know, like six days a week, five days a week, certainly five. Um, yeah, I mean, you should be doing something towards your dream every day, uh, or at least five days a week. Um, or you're not doing enough. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you know, dreams are tough, you know, they, they take a lot of work. I mean, that's, there's no shortcut, but yeah. Well said. Uh, so you mentioned delivering a car to LA in 1990. I also see here that uh, you were roommates with Molly Shannon for five years. Yeah, so what, what, I was. what was that about? How was that? Was there a lot of shenanigans? I was, uh, yeah, done, you done, you done your research, baby. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Molly, for your audience, if they don't know, Molly, um is uh she was on snl for many many years she's got a couple really famous uh iconic characters um you know i'm 50 you know and superstar <laughs> um smells her um and uh, anyway and then she's gone on she divorced got a bunch of shows and um 
and movies and you know you'd recognize her i'm sure if you, yeah. if you don't know the name um but uh yeah molly and i you know i was just i delivered a car i, I only knew one person jack riley who's also a very accomplished um, voice actor he's much he was much older and, and has since passed away um, but he was a mentor of mine I, I did a play with him in cleveland in 1986 and when i delivered the car out i called him and i said jack what do i do now you know he's like he's like you're here wait what and he said come sleep on my couch so i did i, I slept on his couch for 10 days um, I don't think his wife was too happy about that. So <laughs> I was really anxious to try to find a place. And when I was looking for an apartment, uh, Molly was looking with her friend from NYU uh, at the same place. And it was this very um, old building in Hollywood um, called the Villa Elaine. And, um, you know, it was all, it was all run down. And, um, you know, it was, it was, it was an interesting time. Um, and Hollywood was kind of run down at that time too. But she was looking and I was looking and this other guy. And then as we were looking, uh, we thought, oh, we could get a much bigger place and a better place if we all pulled together. And I was ecstatic because I didn't know anyone in Hollywood, anyone in L.A. And they, they did, but they were like, yeah, maybe we should try it. Anyway, long story short, the other guy ended up dropping out. And I said to Molly, I said, look, you know, you don't know me. I'm a guy, whatever. Um, you can bow out too if you want. And she goes, no, let's, why don't we go have a tea and and talk about it some more and so we did and we're like well let's do it so we ended up going back to that place Villa lane um and then we lived there until the earthquake hit in 94 i ended up waking up at you know 3 a.m with bricks and glass on me and molly screaming and and anyway we got through that and then we ended up moving to another place in hollywood uh until she got the call for us and now and it was it was wild man i mean because we always joked that the only thing that would break us up and our roommates uh, we weren't romantically involved but we were roommates and we always joke that one of us would either get whisked away in a limousine or, or get married. And lo and behold, she gets whisked away in a limousine <laughs> and goes to do uh, SNL. It was a little, it was a couple of starts and stops because she took over the last eight episodes for Janine Garofalo um, at the end of that one season. And then it was pending whether or not she was going to be back. And then Lauren, she flew to, to New York to meet with Lauren Michaels. And, and then Lauren Michaels, they had a big powwow meeting when, and um, and she said, we'd love to have you. So she ended up, you know, doing SNL for a bunch of years. And now she's back out in L.A. here. Um, but, but, yeah, it was a trip, man. I mean, Molly, you know, if you don't know her work, you know, look her up. Uh, and this is for your audience, obviously, you do. But, um, but yeah, I mean, she's, she's the real deal and, and the sweetest person. She hasn't changed a bit, I mean, honestly. And with all her fame and all her surroundings of celebrity and otherwise, um, she hasn't changed a bit. She's still... Uh, just an awesome person and she's super curious about people which is why I think she makes such a great actress she's um, you know if you met her doesn't matter who you are if you met her she would ask you questions you know, she wouldn't <laughs> she'll talk but you know she'll ask you questions because she's just super curious about people and your lives and and she's authentic that way which is really a very rare um, beautiful thing out here so I mean certainly in the celebrity realm right are you guys um, still in contact we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, our lives are a little different and, right. you know, we both have kids and, and our kids are different ages. So, you know, it's not the, you know, everyday chit chat, but, um, but yeah, we definitely are still in contact. We're still friends and, um, and yeah, we we're both slammed, you know, we're both busy living our lives. So, you know, and her kids are older, but, you know, I think Nolan and Stella are probably, Stella's probably 16, so no, I'm about 16. Yeah, maybe 15, 16, something like that. And mine are five and seven, like I said. So, you know, it's like night and day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's just crazy to day. think uh, Rock Lee and Mo uh, Molly Shannon sounds like the weirdest fan fiction written ever. <laughs> 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 Write it. 
Someone write it. I know, right? Probably out there. That would be brilliant, dude. Actually, there's something. Yeah. Uh, so Molly Shannon and Rock Lee forever together. <laughs> and then, you know, you throw the earthquake in there and, and Hollywood and, uh, yeah, man. Oh, yes. Yeah, adding sure. up, I can, I can see a picture forming in my head. <laughs> well, someone will write it. I'm sure someone that listens to this will uh, oh, yeah. think that's a great idea, too. If yeah. They, you know, if they love both anime and uh, Molly Shannon or SNL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's something there for sure. I mean, Molly's so rich, and you know, Rock Lee is too in his own right. Uh, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it would be that would that'd be a kick, man. That'd be funny. So we're talking about Mr. Rock Lee. Take us uh, to how you came into the role and what the audition was like. Yeah, um, I got super lucky because I at that point I'd already known the team um, that did you know that was doing Naruto, and so when they were teeing it up, um, I was actually invited to you know to audition and partake and. Um, which was, you know, as a dream as an actor. Um, I had done two other anime properties prior to Naruto, and uh, one was Flint the Time Detective. I played the little kid in that, Tony Goodman, which was short-lived. You know, it was one season, I think. Um, cute little show, but you know, it just didn't, it just didn't catch like the others. Uh, but that same team then was doing Digimon, and Digimon. When I came on at Digimon, you know, I got the the goggles, you know, handed to me from Ty for the second season. So it was already it was already a huge mega hit, and you know I knew the responsibilities of that and carrying that torch were a little uh, higher than you know Flint the Time Detective and Tony Goodman. So um, and it was cool. It was cool to work too on a show that was so well received and so popular because you know Flint was just you know, like I said. I mean you know no one no one even remembers Flint. I mean except diehard anime fans. And um, so you know D- Davis on Digimon was was just huge and it was awesome and it was fun to be part of a show that was that popular so that same team um from fox um you know jamie simone and um you know mary elizabeth you know a couple of these people jeff nimoy um they they you know invited me basically to to see if i could come up with something for rock lee because they were really having trouble finding a voice um for him because you know because of rock lee's rock lee you know he's, he's very formal um but yet you know emotional you know the, the crazy emotional outbursts um you know contractions really hard for me because as you can hear in my natural twang, you know, I'm, I'm pretty slangy and, you know, I don't, I don't talk very probably. I got a real like kind of California, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, so Rock Lee was hard that way. It's still, I mean, even 12 years later, um, you know, it's hard not to contract. Um, uh, so yeah, I mean, so that was probably the biggest obstacle. Um, but Mary Elizabeth, she was, uh, she was amazing and she kind of talked me through it um and you know we kind of found rock lee together and uh and you know and, and i think most most voice and most actors will tell you you know when you first come to a character um you know unless you're doing a movie and you have like a ton of time to prepare like you know you know you got two or three months and you're you know you got time to prepare and um train for something or you know you don't have the luxury of time really in uh tv and anime and so i you know i want to say from the time I got him, I'm a little blurry now, but I, I, you know, from the time I was cast and trying to find him, you know, and then starting to record, I mean, it was only a couple of weeks. Um, so most, I think, actors will tell you, it takes a couple episodes to really kind of get in the groove and, you know, you really kind of getting, you know, that character in your DNA. Um, and that, and that was, that was definitely true of Rock Lee. You know, like I said, I mean, it took me, it took me, you know, double digits to really like sink my teeth into him and, and have him down where I felt like, you know, okay, I got this guy and, you know, I don't have to contract. Like I'll, I'll figure that out. Um, but funny enough, a lot of the writers would forget that he doesn't contract. So a lot of our session time was like, you know, 
uh, you know, Guy Sensei, you know, I don't want to do that. I mean, like, so we'd have to change it to do not, you know, we'd be responsible for like catching all that because, you know, every once in a while we would miss it and, you know, it'd come back and we'd have to re-record. That's, you know, um, it didn't happen often. I, I can count on one hand the amount of times it did, but, you know, so we'd kind of go through the script first just to like try to catch them all in case the writer forgot. Right. Um, so it became this constant, you know, no contractions, <laughs> no contractions. Um, but yeah, but so Rockley was just a treat, you know. Um, but you know, no one knew. We, no, none of us knew we were going to be doing, you know, eight hundred plus episodes and and now Boruto, you know. <laughs> right. No one knew it was going to be this this incredible, incredibly long ride. Um, I mean, I didn't do obviously all eight hundred episodes, but um, but yeah, it was it was you know, it's been a treat, man. I mean, to be a part of something so you know so huge uh, and popular. Um, you know, and household namey, you know, like, I mean, I think, you know, Pokemon, certainly Digimon and, and Naruto, um, it's right up there. You know, they brought, they brought it to the masses, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, they, you know, I mean, the early cons, my understanding, I, I didn't partake in months until about a year or two years ago. Um, but you know, they were, you know, a sprinkling of a couple hundred, you know, super fans. And now, you know, the smallest cons are, you know, a couple thousand, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, you know, it's, it's, it busted wide open. And I, and I think, you know, even though some, I think some purists would be like, oh, now like some of the bigger names, like Naruto and the mainstream, they'll be like, you know, Ugh, you know, <laughs> um, but, you know, but I think anybody would, that knows the history would be willing to admit that some of these bigger properties, um, you know, even though they don't admit to now, you know, watching them or liking them, um, you know, they, they were the ones that, that brought everything to the mainstream and, and you know, certainly the, the cons to the popularity that they've become. So, you know, being a part of that, you know, is, is pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, as, as you can imagine, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Rock Lee and like so many other anime characters are like a big inspiration to a lot of people. Was there any like character or movie or show that inspired you when you were younger to pursue voice acting or anything like that? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it wasn't a voice show. Um, the, the movie that changed my life, uh, it's, it's pretty obscure. Well, it's not obscure, but it's a, it's a foreign film. So not everybody came to it, you know, um, but it was my life as a dog. And coincidentally, my roommate, Molly Shannon, who you brought up, um, she, when we decided to live together and we're, we're, we're hunkered down and getting our apartment all set up. She pulls out a, a poster of my life as a dog. Um, and so I was like, holy crap. Um, Cause you know, it's obscure enough, but mm -hmm. I was like, wow. And so that was cool. Yeah. You know, we had the same sensibilities and, and love of film and, and clearly the same idea of it, but it's basically about a little boy um, whose mom's dying of cancer. And it's, you know, it's one of those, ha ha, you, know, you ball your eyes out and then ha ha, and then you ball your eyes out. Mm -hmm. um, and but but the humanity of the film and the boy you know coming to grips with his mom passing you know at a very tender age i mean you know we're talking you know he's young um and um yeah it, it just blew me away i mean i saw it when i was in college in cleveland ohio and and, uh, and i think it was at, at that point um that i you know that i was like this is, this is what i want to do you know i want to tell stories and i want to i want to I want to affect people um, in that way emotionally that that, that film did for me. Um, and, you know, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, this eureka moment where I was like, I quit school and I, you know, I delivered the car, you know, the next day to Hollywood. I mean, as I said, I'm, I'm a little too practical for that. And I very fortunately have a little bit of right and left brain, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, I, but it definitely, it was like, it was, it was definitely a eureka emotional moment and a, recogni a recognition of, of, of how powerful that was for me and recognizing the medium as, as powerful and, and going, yeah, this is something I want to do. 
um, I hadn't put all the pieces together, obviously, at that point. But, but again, you know, I think, um, I think when you look back at your life, whether you're conscious or not of it, you know, you do, you do start building, you know, you, you do start building blocks, um, you know, to a future of a sort, you know, whether it's a dream or otherwise. And, you know, except for like the crazy, you know, outlandish dreams. But, you know, I think any dream that is, is accessible to the degree that you can pursue it, um, you do, you're, you're, that's always there, you know, like, I mean, like I've always loved kids. I was a babysitter, a camp counselor, whatever. They're still in my life. I have a nonprofit for inner city high school kids. I still speak to kids. Um, you know, they're, they're still a part of my life. That's never gone away. You know, performance has never gone away. Um, the arts have never gone away. And so, you know, I think again, consciously or unconsciously, you, you build these blocks, um, you know, and ultimately it becomes a life, you know, uh, and they build a block to kind of launch you to, you know, that eureka moment or that moment where you're like, you have the courage to deliver a car to Hollywood, not really know anyone or the courage to start your program, you know, and, and go, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. I'm going to jump in because, you know, you, you have to, at some point you, you got to jump off the ledge and, you know, and just hope the net catches you, you know, and, and if it doesn't, you know, you might land hard occasionally you do, especially with dream pursuit, but you know, but then you can pick yourself up, realize that you didn't die, you know, you didn't, it might have hurt a little bit, but then you just keep going, you, you try again. I mean, just like Rock Lee, right? I mean, again, full circle, you know, it's just like, you just keep trying, you, know, you just keep getting better, um, you keep training, um, you keep doing the work, you know, and, and, you know, and not to say it doesn't come with emotions as, you know, Rock Lee perfectly illustrates. <laughs> Um, you know, uh, there were plenty of tears pursuing those <laughs> dreams. Um, but yeah. Um, but yeah, great question. I would say, you know, uh, my life is a dog, uh, Lassie Holstrom, um, okay. is the director and beautiful film. Very powerful. As the, our conversation is, unfo- I'm sorry, Chess, I interrupted you again. Oh no, you're fine. Go ahead. Sorry. All right. So as our conversations unfold and I'm noticing there's a lot of uh, similarities between you and Rock Lee, is that something that uh, kind of drew you into the character? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny, man. Um, I, I appreciate that uh, because I, you know, I'm a big fan of Rock Lee and I hope he's a big, you know, if, if you were alive today, I, <laughs> do you, do you, do you appreciate me as much Rock? Um, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I, I say it all the time when I, when I speak about Rock Lee, uh, you know, and, and Davis too, for that matter, you know, the, the two big anime hits that I've had, um, you know, I feel very, very fortunate that I've done two characters that I can align myself with um, that I think represent, you know, they have characters that, that I think represent, you know, the best of humanity, you know, the best of, um, of, 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 of passion and pursuing, you know, and, and working really hard um, that are loyal. Um, you know, a lot of these things that, yeah, I, I would like to think that I represent to some degree and that I've spent a life trying to live and, and, you know, these, you know, these, these badges, you know, of honor, you know, um, and yeah, I, I didn't know where Rockley was going, you know, you don't really, you know, I didn't know the trajectory of his story. I didn't really know that much other than they said, you know, he's got sweeping emotions and, but he is honorable. Um, he works hard, you know, some stuff, but you know, you don't really have anything to hold on to until you start really getting in there and start living the character and doing the episodes. Um, but, you know, I, I will tell you that when we did um, one of the very, I think it was the, maybe even the first episode, I can't really recall, so don't hold me to it, but I think it was one of the first couple episodes for sure. And, um, you know, Rock Lee and, and Guy Sensei have a very uh, codependent and you could almost argue an unhealthy relationship. <laughs> um, and, you know, and so I, I was really struck by that and I was really uncomfortable um, 
partaking in that relationship uh, as, a, as an actor, as, as you know, and I wasn't sure it's something that I wanted to uh, promote, you know, frankly, um, because it was a really kind of abusive um, scene early on with Guy and, and, um, and I was like, I, I said to Mary Elizabeth, the director at the time and, and the producers who were in the room, and I was like, what's going on here? Like, what are we selling exactly? And, um, and she's like, you know, I've gone ahead. Like, I know enough of the storyline and, and I, I understand that you're uncomfortable with this and I can understand certainly why, um, but I ask you to trust me. Like, I think you'll like where the trajectory of Rock Lee goes and the character, um, the development. Um, and, you know, I'm not gonna say that the, the relationship with Guy and Rock Lee is, is perfect or healthy. Um, and there are more scenes like this coming up. Um, but you know, I think you'll like where Rockley goes. And so I trusted her, you know I mean? Cause I was, I was, I almost walked away. You know, I, I wasn't, you know, I just thought it was really, um, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever I said unhealthy already, but you know, there was, there was, there's a codependency there and, you know, and right. codependencies can be very toxic as I think we all know. Um, you know, I think everyone's codependent to some degree, uh, either in a, in a very intimate relationship or, you know, with friends or whatever. I mean, there's, there's an element of codependency with every relationship we have. Um, so, you know, that's okay, but you know, it can be also ultimately toxic if the person's not aware of it or not, you know, um, or it's not done well intended. Um, and so I guess you could argue that Guy Sensei, Guy Sensei was well intended, um, which helps a little bit, um, and helped me a little bit, uh, with my discomfort with that relationship. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately I'd like to think that the relationship, um, you know, they, they both grew from it. They both became better from it. Um, and you know, it does kind of come full circle to, to a pretty, you know, a pretty good place. Um, again, you know, it certainly had its elements of unhealthy and weird and toxic and, <laughs> um, and questionable, uh, but what are you going to do? But yeah, I trusted Mary Elizabeth and, and just carried on from there. But, um, but yeah, you know, I was, I was close to not partaking, you know, who knows what would happen, but, um, but I'm glad I am because it, you know, I guess to your question, it really does, um, it does help to do projects that you align with, you know, right. spiritually and emotionally and, you know, that align with, you know, who you are and the character that you, you'd like to think that you are and the integrity that you bring to life and your art uh, without getting too lofty. But yeah, I mean, it, it definitely helps. Um, and then, but, you know, then you hear about other actors that, you know, have to do these horrific characters, you know, in real life and otherwise, and they have to find the humanity to that character. And they talk about that a lot. And, you know, I've done a couple, but nothing, you know, nothing that I, you know, nothing that I regret. But yeah, you gotta, you gotta find the humanity, even the most monstrous in the world. Um, you know, there, there's something there. I mean, yeah, there's exceptions. You could certainly argue that there's right. exceptions. Um, but yeah, you gotta try to figure out a way to align and get into the character, even if they're despicable, <laughs> um, you know, and which is a bigger challenge, of course, but. But yeah, with Rock Lee and Davis and a lot of the characters, um, you know, it's awesome. I, I love being able to speak to it um, and have, you know, have him as, as um, the one I have to talk about the most because I dig him, you know. He's, he's, he's a good cat that's trying to, trying to hard to be the best he can be. You know, you can't ask for much more than that. You know? Well, we're certainly glad that you decided you to stick it out. The, uh... <laughs> Thanks, boys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, me too. Me too. He's been a gift, you know, a gift that keeps on, you know, giving. In fact, you know, this, this, uh, I rested him. I was like, shit, how can I get him in the shot? And so I had to rest him on the pop. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a kick, right? I mean, these pops just came out and I'm like, uh, you know, that, that's awesome. And I mean, that, it, it's a kick, you know, I mean, I, you know, I have a little figurine, you know, <laughs> like, you know, that's, uh, 
you know, I believe me, if you had asked me that, you know, you'd ask me when a dream came or when I thought about pursuing it, you know, I would have, I could have never imagined, you know, that I'd have some, you know, Funko Pop or, you know, figurine, you know, <laughs> something I've done and, you know, and captured. I mean, that's, uh, it's wild. You know, it's wild. Go ahead, Chess. I saw you talking. Okay. I was going to ask, like, what, what's your favorite part about Rock Lee? And what do you think, like, the biggest thing people can take away from his character is? Yeah, my favorite part, I mean, I think, you know, I, I would almost have to refer to the Gara fight and then that scene, you know, because, I mean, that was, that, that was, that tip, that tipped everything. I think for everybody, even anybody working on the show and anybody and myself and Mary Elizabeth, like, you know, it was like, I think it took Naruto to a whole nother place. Um, certainly for Rock Lee and my character. Um, and, and that's when I got really excited too. I mean, it was exciting to land in the series and get the part and all that. But, you know, from, from that moment on and, and going through that and him dropping the weights and just the, the magnitude of it and the drama of it. And, uh, and it was just so well, well told as a story storyline of course the you know, the graphics and it was just you know it was just well well conceived and well executed and 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 that's when you know you realize that the true ethos of of rock lee you know you just realize that that uh just his passion you know to be the best he could be to um to persevere uh and to persist um and of course the hard work that you know led to it and of course you know after the fact having to recover from the fight um, but yeah, I mean, I would say, I would say that's what I'm most proud of. And I think the quality that, um, I think that most people can relate to, I mean, I, I've had the privilege and I think this speaks to, you know, to why it's been so gratifying. Um, I've had so many fans, you know, come up to me and communicate to me that, that Rockley, uh, specifically Rockley, the show in general, but certainly Rockley, if they were speaking to me, obviously they're talking about Rockley, but, but, you know, they, they just said that it, it got them through junior high school or got them through high school and they were bullied and um, they were somewhere suicidal and, um, and that Rockley and what he represents um, got them through it and got them over these very emotional, dark times in their lives. And, you know, it doesn't get any more gratifying as a, as a performer to have some small part in that, you know, I mean, the story was told, I mean, I, you know, they, they created the series without me. Um, Rock Lee was well on his way. Someone, other actor, if not me, would have played him and, and probably would have done just as fine a job, if not better. Um, so I'm a small part of that, but to be a part of that um, and, and have someone come up to you and say something like that is, it's, it's, it's just, it blows you away, you know, and, and, to, and it's very gratifying, as I said, as a, as a performer to in some way, shape or form, um, having created something or been a part of something that's, that's, you know, ultimately saved a kid's life. I mean, you know, it's, it sounds pretty crazy, but I think, you know, if you, if, yeah, I mean, I think you guys can relate to it because you've been in the world long enough to know that, that, you know, these, these characters are powerful and then these anime and, and video games and, you know, but I mean, they, they can get they can get you through some some dark shit, you know, and and they can they can help you find the light. And I think ultimately, back to Rock Lee, um, they can help you persevere and persist and and um, and believe that you know, they can get better and work harder. You know, I mean, a lot of the ones that expressed you know these dark times in their life, they said Rock Lee made me want to work harder. You know, gave me inspiration to to get over this, to get past this. You know. Um, and yeah, I mean, what better quality than that? I mean, it's like, cause I mean, that's life, right? I mean, you know, right. I don't, I don't, you know, you, I, I'd be mistaken if I said everyone was suicidal at some point in their life, but you know, we've certainly all been through some really dark times and 
some, you know, trying to overcome huge obstacles, either internal or, or external, you know, when my sister passed away, I cried every day for two and a half years, you know, and, and those were some dark times, but, um, but I think Rock Lee represents that, you know, you know, keep going, keep going. And, uh, and, you know, that's, that's, that's awesome, you know, um, to play a character like that, uh, is is pretty dreamy you know it's it's really a gift i mean i mean really there's no other way to say it it's it's been a gift and it's a gift that keeps on giving you know it's like again the fact that we're here now and shooting right. shit about it and mm-hmm. um you know and i have a forum to talk to these you know in, in this way to people directly you know directly and say <laughs> you can do this you know you can you can get through this i mean especially because i i would imagine you know, again, because of the world we're living in with COVID and pandemic and, and all that, I mean, there's a dark times. And I suspect there's probably a fan or two that's listening to your show, um, that's a fan of your show and, and maybe Rock Lee, which is why they're maybe here today. Um, you know, they, they, they might be going through something. And I just want you to know that you are not alone. Um, and that, you know, if Rock Lee helps you or, or, or something else, um, when gives you inspiration, then... Uh, then uh, yeah, then, then keep Rockley close. Um, and remember me maybe, you know, saying this to you now or my sister even better, you know, um, and her smile, you know, believe that you're here for a reason, you know, and that you, um, you know, you will get through this, you will get better and and, and light will find you and uh, your reason, there's a reason for you. Don't ever forget that. I, I tell that to everybody. I mean, I, I've, I, I've seen dreams come true. I mean, it's a very real thing, you know. Um, again, you gotta do the hard work. Um, but we're all here for a reason and not everyone's going to do some crazy, you know, like not everyone's going to find the cure for COVID-19, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but you know, you're, you're here for a reason. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, uh, you know, I've seen dreams come true, you know, with, with, uh, some of my own, my sister, Molly, um, you know, I've seen other friends accomplish things in their life. They never thought they would. Um, but you know, again, it came down to hard work and, and ultimately believing in yourself. Um, but find your cheerleaders, man. I mean, that's, you know, if I'm that for you right now or these guys, you know, in their show, um, you know, that's, that's it, you know, whatever your cheerleader is or in whatever shape they, they, you know, they are, uh, you know, or shape shifting they are. Um, but they're out there, you know, find your cheerleaders. They're real or unreal. It doesn't really matter <laughs> as long as they inspire you in some way, shape or form. Well said, Brian. I think your sister would be very proud of the work you've done and the work you put into the documentary and everything. Ah, well, you know, uh, she's the gift that keeps on giving, man. She gave me reason to live when she was alive, and she's given me reason to live, you know, and passing up in the clouds, dancing with Patrick Swayze, dirty (laughs) dancing with Patrick Swayze. (laughs) You know, that might be a reference for for your younger crew. They they don't know who Patrick Swayze is. I'm very well aware. I might have to watch Roadhouse (laughs) after this. Ah, oh, Roadhouse, <laughs> nice dude, nice. Yeah, that was one of my sister's loves. Magic Swayze, they're dirty dancing up on clouds somewhere, and uh, you know, singing the Bee Gees, and you know, whatever. Good taste, good taste. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not bad, right? <laughs> so, are your kids fan fans of Naruto? You know, it's funny. Just about six months ago, I showed them the uh, the Gara fight for the first time. I saw it. I found it on. Yeah, maybe it's time, you know. And uh, I mean, they were seven and five, um, you know. And uh, they, yeah, they were blown away, man. I mean, you know, it's it's, but it's also a funny thing. And you'll also hear a lot of other actors, and certainly famous people, talk about it. Like their kids, you know, it's just what daddy does. You know, what I mean, like it's yeah. not they're not some super fan or like, oh my gosh, my dad does, you know, the voice of Rockley. Oh, yeah. Um, it's none of that, man. I'm not that fortunate. Um, but you know, but they, they definitely, they love the fight. I mean, that part, cause they're really into, they're really into all that stuff now. Like as far as like, you know, my whole living room is a military installation, you know, with figurines and, and, uh, you know, even all their Legos, they turned into, you know, military, you know, dudes. And, 
Um, you know, so it's all that. And so, yeah, when I finally showed him the fight, it, which, you know, I guess, you know, I, I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend it for a five-year-old. Um, you know, I think there's some things <laughs> in Naruto and the series that might, might not be appropriate. But, um, but yeah, they, they loved it. And it was, uh, it was super thrilling to share that with them finally. And, um, and they love the part. They each got a Funko Pop, the daddy-son. And, uh, you know, of course, I mentioned dreams. The dreams coming true. And, um, yeah, so it was, it was cool to share that with them. And, and I think as they get older, um, you know, who knows? I mean, I suspect one of them will dig into the series or maybe both, um, which would be really fun. Um, but, you know, I'm not really sure how it'll play out. You know, everybody's, everybody's got their thing, right? Um, you know, and you can only kind of gently guide them towards, you know, <laughs> towards, you know, stuff. Um, you know, you don't want to push too hard and they'll, right. they'll go the other way, right? Uh, you know, so, yeah. So Naruto has quite a few episodes. Uh, what's your average r- recording session looking like? How many episodes are you knocking out? Yeah, it just depends, man. I mean, I've gotten very, you know, good at, at, at you know, at anime and, and looping and stuff. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know uh, where Yuri falls into that. You know, he's, he's a, there's a couple guys that are, that are, you know, and I guess, you know, I'm pretty fast. Um, so, you know, in that way, uh, that's one factor, you know, the, the better you are, the faster you go. Right. Um, the other factor is, you know, just how many, how many actual lines you have, um, in an episode, you know, so for instance, I could go in like in the days when Rock Lee was heavy and had a bit heavy presence, you know, I would go in and, and, uh, you know, maybe some of the episodes would be, you know, predominantly Rock Lee. So you'd have like 72 loops, you know, lines, loops, um, in the, in the episode. And then some, you know, you have three or four or six or seven or eight, you know. Um, so it would just depend. Uh, usually we go in for like a two-hour session. Um, and sometimes you'd be pleasantly surprised. You, you'd only have like 12 loops. And you're like, oh, thanks. You know, we just need to get this one in the can. And you walk out in 20 minutes, you know, um, or 15. Um, and then some, they, you know, they push it to the, you know, pedal of the metal. And you, you knock out the full two hours and 150 loops later. And um, so it really just kind of depended. Uh, um yeah, you know, and then the the video games were a little longer sessions because they're a little more particular, um, and you end up doing it like an A, B, and C for every single line, every single effort. You know, it's like they want to, you know, a minimum hit is like, ugh, and then they want a medium hit, and they'll be like, ugh, and then they want a brutal hit, and it's like, ah, yeah. <laughs> and so you're doing like A, B, and C, A, B, and C, A, B, and C, and so you know, yeah, I mean, so those typically are a lot longer, more. Um, a little more effort, you know, literally and figuratively, because, uh, you know, a lot of the video games, obviously, as you know, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's wall-to-wall fighting, you know, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so every session is different, and, you know, you're really not sure what to expect, you know, when I did, um, you know, the, the Drunken Fist, and, um, you know, that was a kick, is we, you know, we, we spent a lot of time, um, you know, just creatively, you know, having fun. Like Mary Elizabeth, I show up, she goes, you gotta be drunk today. I was like, what? And, you know, and, and of course, you know, the broadcast version was loopy fist because they didn't want to say drunk. Um, but, you know, that was awesome. You know, we had, you know, we just gave it a lot more time and more fun. And, and we just, you know, she's like, all right, let's just go even further, you know, be more drunk or be more crazy. And, um, you know, and so, so then you, you know, you might not be doing as many loops, as many lines, but you're doing, you're doing the ones you have. Uh, you're just experimenting, you know, you're having more time, you know, creatively. And, and those, those sessions are, you know, really fun because, you know, you just want to kind of get it right, you know, and, right. and you experiment and, and dabble with what, what might work and might not work. And sometimes they just pick, you know, obviously the best taken in post where they're mixing too. So, so, you know, the director will make a note of like saying, oh, I like take B, 
but then you know when they're putting it all together um you know they might you see and so sometimes you have backups and um and as i said for like drunken they wanted loopies sometimes you have you know broadcast you know versions of, of the same line because they don't want to say drunken or you know they want to say you know pill instead of drugs or candy instead of you know whatever right, <laughs> right. whatever it is you know um to make it you know pc friendly for kids you know um but yeah so it just depends well how right much on. has um the current pandemic changed the uh voice acting industry uh the current pandemic how much has it changed the voice industry yeah um initially uh, everything shut down. I mean, it was, it was, you know, no one knew what was, you know, what was going on and, and, and how they were going to accomplish, um, you know, getting people in the studio, which of course they didn't for the first, uh, first six months, you know, the shoot, the studios were all shut down. So if you're fortunate enough to, fortunate enough to have uh, a broadcast home studio, um, to record at home, then those people to, to, to probably fared the best, um, initially because, um, the studios would, would pipe you in through ISDN or Source Connect, um, and then you could record, and then you'd have like a, you know, an iPad, and you'd talk, they would Zoom with the director, or whatever, and so they just kind of made it work. Um, and so, so people adapted, you know. Um, I didn't do a lot of stuff from home, because I don't really love working from home. I actually like being in the studio, and I like being with the people, um, the director otherwise. Um, so I, I didn't do a ton, um, but I did do it, um, and I still do it. Uh, you know, we're, we're still doing it. Fortunately for the Naruto and the Boruto and some of the video games recently for the series, um, I was able to go in the studio, but you know, they have to do all these protocols and you have to have, answer like 20 questions. You gotta, you know, I mean, it's just, it's very safe, um, which is great. Um, but you know, yeah, there's a lot of protocols and stuff. So there's like extra levels. Um, but, uh, but they're making it work. Everyone's trying to, you know, really trying to make it work. Um, I think, you know, hopefully within the next six months and as the vaccine starts rolling out, you know, we'll be back to it and hopefully, you know, nine months from now, this will all be a distant memory, but, but it definitely affected it. And as you know, it affected cons I mean, they all shut down. I think some weren't, you know, holding on, like I was scheduled for like, you know, I think 20 this year. Um, you know, and I, I think I mentioned in the Carolinas, I was supposed to be in the Carolinas a couple of times, a few times this year. And, um, you know, and some were like holding out They're like, you know, we're not canceling yet. We're not canceling yet. But, you know, as it started prolonging, it was just then it was just a slaughter. You know, everything just got canceled. And, you know, but but amazingly, you know, uh, people have adapted too. you know, I'm sure you guys have seen, you know, I've done a bunch of Zoom panels now and, and some, you know, some I've done a bunch of, you know, um, signings online and streaming. And, you know, it's, so it's incredible, really. I, I don't you know, it's 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 amazing to me actually how much people have. Um, have adapted. Oh, boys, I'm gonna have to go. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to go. But um, so let's wrap it up. Unfortunately, I just realized it's almost five o'clock, and I got another thing at five. But, um, oh, all right. Yeah, no sorry, problem. boys. Didn't mean that. Didn't mean that. No okay, it's okay. <laughs> uh, well, that. Brian, just, uh, yeah, I can't get behind the eight ball. Brian, just tell people where they can find you and uh, social medias and all that stuff. Oh yeah, man. Uh, yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Brian Donovan underscore one, the number one. Um, I also I'm, I'm on Facebook. You can find me Brian Donovan holding my little baby at the time. He's older now. Um, you can go to kellyshollywood.com um, if you're interested in the movie. There's direct links to the flick. Um, what else? I think that's it. Um, and I do occasionally, if you follow me on Instagram and you're, you're, you 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 want to do like a signing or something like that, I do them occasionally throughout the year. So, um, you know, yeah, I mean, check it out. Follow me accordingly if you're interested. But uh, but really, 
Thank you guys so much for having me. I really, uh, I really appreciate it. It was, it was awesome. Good combo. Thank you, my friend. And right real quick before we get you out of here, can I shoot you a message and have you give us a little voice clip? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. How do you want to shoot me a message? Through this? Or? Uh, yeah, I'm going to send it to you on, uh, uh, what is this called? Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> this fight is going to be tough. I'm sorry. Hold on a second. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, this fight is going to be tough. I'm sorry, guys, Sensei. I'll have to unlock the secret ninth gate, the gate of monsters, <laughs> madness, and magic. Nice. About to mute myself right. so you can do it. Yeah, baby. All right. Let me, I might have to do two takes on this. Hold on. <clears throat> I'm Rock Lee of Hidden Leaf Village. This fight is going to be tough. I'm sorry, guy Sensei. I'll have to unlock the secret ninth gate, the gate of monsters, madness, and magic. The gate of monsters, madness, and magic. Did that work? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yeah, bro. That was awesome. Um, thank you both, you guys. Awesome. And uh, stay safe. Happy holidays. And uh, hopefully we'll, we'll see you at a con soon. We will be there, sir. Really? Thank you so much. You have a great rest of your evening. Yeah, you and too. Thank Thanks you all for the fans. Thanks, you guys. Bye-bye Thanks now. so much, you guys. Bye-bye. See you later. Monsters, madness, and magic.